Well, hey, Rocky Peak, great to be with you. My name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. If we haven't had a chance of meeting yet, I look forward to that in the near future. But we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. And so, as Trisha said, if you haven't already downloaded your message note sheet in your favorite form, I encourage you to do that. We'll definitely be using it today. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. Let's pray together. Father, we're just so thankful for this privilege of being in your presence together that whether we are uh, physically here uh, in one location or physically we're separated, that we are united by your spirit uh, and that together we are gathered around your word today. We thank you for this amazing passage of scripture that we've been able to unpack over the last few months. And as we bring this uh, series on spiritual warfare to an end, I pray that, God, you would bring us to a place of great decision, a place of... um, kind of special alertness, a place where we're ready to not just listen, but now to follow. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, our story starts today when Lynn and I were very young. We'd only been married about two years, and she had just graduated from uh, her nursing program here in the Los Angeles area. And so we were packing up our, our Ford Mustang II and uh, getting ready to travel 30 hours uh, driving back to Chicago area for me to finish my bachelor degree. And so we were young and adventurous, and we said, hey, we're just gonna drive straight through. Now, Lynn doesn't really like to drive that much, and so what that meant is I was gonna be doing most of the driving, but she agreed to give me a couple, uh, couple of spells, maybe a couple hours here and there, where she would drive so I could take a quick nap. And so, uh, for the most part, we reached it there uh, right on time, no problem. Uh, We did have one problem on Sunday morning. I was driving through Missouri, and uh, according to the officer, I was going 83 miles an hour. Um, I trust him because he made me sit in his car, turned his radar screen around. Do you know how fast you were going? Yes, I think 85 or 90. No, 83. Anyway, he told me I was going to have to go back to the county seat and to pay that, and I better have cash, because if I didn't, they were throwing me in jail until the next morning. But fortunately, we had traveler's checks that worked, and so we got back on the road again, had it back, and made it without any further incident. So fast forward now a couple years, I finished my bachelor's degree now. We're ready to come back to Southern California, and this, uh, once again, we're loading up our car, heading back for this 30-hour straight drive. About two weeks before we take off, Lynn comes to me and she says, hey, you know, last time we came straight, she said, you know how I don't like to drive? How about this time if we stop a couple times, maybe St. Louis and somewhere in New Mexico, something like that? Uh, And I said, sure, very reasonable, absolutely, we can do that. But about two weeks before the, uh, I mean, about two days before we took off, I had this idea and I pitched it to, to Lynn and she was young and she was naive and she didn't really realize then everything about me. And so she, uh, I said, how about this? How about if I just drive, we don't have like a set location like St. Louis and, you know, Albuquerque. Uh, We just drive until I'm tired and then we'll stop. And then wherever that is. And she said, yeah, that sounds great. And so the the day came and the night before I was up late packing. In fact, we were both up late till one o'clock in the morning And uh, we were scheduled to leave at four, and so we're gonna keep our schedule. So three hours later, after just three hours sleep, we get up, we load up that same Ford Mustang too, and we head back for the adventure to California. Well, today we are wrapping up this series we've been in for several months now. 
And it's called The Resurrected King, Spiritual Warfare in Times of Challenge. And it's been just a great series, just kind of pursuing God together, understanding the realities of the unseen realm. I think one of the most important lessons is one that I often talked about early on is that one of the key lessons of this series is that for the follower of Jesus, that spiritual warfare is not an occasional event, it's an ongoing lifestyle. And we cross this line between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, we enter this new level of spiritual warfare. Uh, and so today, uh, every week in this series, we've gone back to Ephesians chapter six, which was the core passage for this series. The, the final chapter of a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Christ followers in and around the ancient city of Ephesus. And so today we're gonna do that one last time. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, let's go back to Ephesians chapter six. And there in your note sheet, there's a section called Spiritual Warfare, Be Alert. So we're gonna pick it up as we've done so many times in Ephesians chapter six and verse 10 as Paul brings this letter to a close. He says, finally, kind of wrapping things up, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And so early in this series, we saw this, that when Jesus died on the cross and then rose again from the dead, that he conquered the powers of darkness. And that as followers of Jesus, we are organically united to him through the Holy Spirit. In chapter two, he said that we've been raised with Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. And so as followers of Jesus, we have access to his power. And so he says, if you're going to win this battle, you need to plug into the power of the resurrected king who now rules over all creation. And then he's gonna go on and say, and the way to do that is to put on the full armor of God. And so he says in verse 11, so put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to take your stand against the devil's schemes. Remember in the Greek, his methodeos, his methods, his strategies. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And from this, so this was the core challenge that as followers of Jesus, we've entered into this new level of spiritual warfare. That we're up against a set of enemies that are strong, they're strategic, they are bright, uh, they're smart, and they're out to destroy us. And if we're gonna win, we need to plug into the power of our resurrected king, put on this full armor. Now from this point on, Paul is gonna go on then and he's gonna identify six pieces of armor or weapons that are kind of examples of what he's talking about. We need to put on, pick up, uh, put into practice if we are going to win. And I'm not gonna take the time to read through the entire passage, but if you've been here, you know the six. He says, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put the gospel of peace on your feet. Put the helmet of salvation on your head. Pick up the shield of faith. Pick up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then once you're finally geared up for battle, you're ready to go to war, and you need to start praying, joining Jesus in his mission by partnering with prayer to uh, bring the kingdom of the heavens to earth. And so in verse 18, we looked at this last week. He says, so now that you're geared up, pray in the spirit. We talked about that last week. He said, pray on, remember, all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of God's people. The four alls we talked about last week. But I want you to notice that little challenge, this final challenge he gives us to be alert, to stay alert. 
In the, in the Greek, it's the word uh, like uh, agri-nepto. And it, and it means uh, to be vigilant. It's a, it's a word that's used like in the, in the context of army often when there's an imminent threat, there's an imminent danger. And so you're to be on guard. He says that as followers of Jesus, we need to stay alert. And what I want to do as we wrap up this series today is simply highlight one final challenge, this one final challenge that Paul gives us about staying alert and then come back at the end and ask one final question. And so there in your note sheet, you have a section called Spiritual Warfare, The Final Challenge. And so here's a principle that I want to unpack, spend a a few minutes on as we get prepared for the final question. And so the principle is one that we saw early in this series. And it goes like this, that spiritual warfare is a metaphor. That as Paul comes to the end of this letter, he picks up this powerful spiritual metaphor of spiritual warfare and armor, and he chooses to wrap up his his letter with this powerful metaphor. And what he's doing in this uh, in, with this metaphor is he he wants to summarize some of the most important teachings that he's given us throughout the entire level, level uh, letter of what it takes to win in this battle. And it's interesting this this uh, this word picture of uh, a spiritual warfare and of armor and weapons. It, it comes from the Old Testament. It has deep roots in the Old Testament where God of Israel, Yahweh, is often pictured as a warrior going into battle either for or against his own people. And so, for example, in Isaiah 59, we looked at this passage early on in the series. It says that he, talking about Yahweh, he put on righteousness as his what? his breastplate, and the helmet of salvation on his head. Now, does that sound familiar? Yeah, of course, that's two of the six pieces of armor or weapons that the apostle refers to in Ephesians chapter six. And so as he gets to the end of this uh, letter, he wants to wrap up, remind us of some of the most important things that we need to do if we're going to win this spiritual battle. Now, he could have just given us six or seven principles. Hey, don't forget, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Here's the top seven things you need to remember. But instead of that, he chooses to to use this powerful spiritual metaphor, this pictural image of a soldier getting ready for battle so that we uh, we can visualize it, we can use it to remember the lessons that he's taught us, And we can actually use it sort of as a checklist. As we go into spiritual warfare, we can can check, like, are we ready to go? So, for example, uh, let's just run through those six six pieces of armor that leads up to the seventh practice of prayer. He starts off and says, uh, hey, do you have the belt of truth on? And so you may remember this, that we, we said early in this series, we said that Satan's primary weapon is deception. And that our primary defense is the truth. And you may remember that triangle that I created for, on the note sheet. We put truth in the middle. And we said we talked about it's truth in all its sides. 
that the, the three sides of truth, we've talked about personal truth, who you are in Christ, what Christ has done for us. We talked about worldview truth, kind of big picture truth that spiritual warfare at the highest level is the level of ideas. We see that so much in our culture right now and this, this cultural battles over ideologies. And then we talked about the importance of doctrinal truth. So do you have the belt of truth on? And then we talked about the, the breastplate of righteousness. And remember, Dre talked about that. And it said, if we are going to win the spiritual battle, we have to align our will with God's will. We have to choose what is right. We have to leave what's wrong behind. We have to learn how to repent, uh, embrace the new, turn from the old. And that when we don't, we give place for the enemy to stand in our life. Are you choosing the right? And then we talked about the gospel of peace that we put on our feet. We talked about this gospel that restores our vertical relationship with God. Not based on our performance, but based on his. But it's also the horizontal gospel of peace that breaks down all the barriers that have separated the human race from the beginning of time to create this one new community of the king. Remember we talked about the helmet of salvation, this hope of the future, that we're not only saved now, we're saved for the future. And we said that we need to be living this life for that life. We talked about the shield of faith that we need to pick up to shield ourselves against the flaming darts of the enemy. We talked about how Satan's goal has always been to get us to distrust God, to question his goodness, his wisdom, his power in our lives. We learned that faith is something that's it's a relational term, that it's, it's a trust in another person. And that it's our trust in God that releases his power in our life. And then finally, we talked about the sword of the spirit, the word of God that gives us new life, but it's also such a weapon against the lives of the enemy. Like Jesus in the wilderness, we pick up the sword, his truth to fight against the lies of the enemy. And once we're all suited up, then we're ready to pray we're ready to partner with God and pray and go to war on behalf of Jesus and his people in his kingdom, right? And so this becomes a powerful checklist. Hey, you and I are in a spiritual battle. We are, we're fighting against a, a team of enemies. They're smart, they're strong, they're strategic. They're trying to take you out. And Paul says, if you're going to stand, you have to be strengthened in the power of the Lord. Well, how do you do that? You put on the full armor of God. So it's an awesome checklist. Hey, are you embracing the truth? Are you choosing what's right? Are you living out the gospel of peace, both with God and others? Are you pursuing the peace? Are you living for the future? Do you have the hope of salvation on your head? Are you living this day for that day? Are you holding up the shield of faith, trusting in the goodness, the promises of God? Are you holding on to the sword of the spirit? And are you focused in on prayer? If you are, then you're prepared to take your stand. If you are, when the evil day comes, you will not give way. But of course, the key is, but are we ready? Are we fully geared up? Are we staying alert? And so the principle is, is that this is a powerful spiritual metaphor to help us think through our lives and whether we're ready to do battle with the enemy or whether we are vulnerable, leaving ourselves vulnerable in certain places. But it leads to an important question. 
And there in your note sheet, you have a section called Spiritual Warfare, The Final Question. And it's a very simple question, but it flows out of this passage. And the question for this is we come to the end of this series. So we're at the end of the series, not the end of the war. As we come to the end of the series, here's the question. What does it take to stay alert? Or to make it even more personal, what does it take in your life to stay alert? See, we're at the end of this series, but not the end of the battle. And I don't know about you, but just teaching on warfare for the last three or four months has made me much more aware of the unseen realm. My guess is that for most of you that because we've been in this series for so long that you have become much more aware of the unseen realm. But the question is, how do we stay alert to the reality of this enemy long after this series is over? And I want you to catch what Paul says again here. He says, pray in the spirit, Ephesians 6.18, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests and with this in mind, be alert. Now why is he saying that? Well, this is these wrapping up this military metaphor that we've just talked about. When you're in battle, when you're in warfare, of course, any army is gonna, is gonna set guards, sentries, watchtowers to watch for the approach of the enemy because if we're surprised by the enemy, chances are we're going to lose. In fact, this was so important in the Roman army that when they would set sentries out, as, uh, to set their guards and sentries out, they would usually limit them to about two hours at a time. And this was such an important assignment. The role they played was so critical to the success. The danger was so great if the enemy came and took them by surprise that the penalty for going to sleep as a sentry while you are on guard duty was usually execution. And so Paul says, we are in a battle and if we're going to win, we have to be alert. We have to be on guard. We have to remember the enemy is out there and be watching for his attack. And so again, the question is, what do you need to do personally in your life to stay spiritually alert to the reality of the unseen realm? Paul's challenge here reminds me of the challenge that Jesus gave to his disciples the last night he was with them. You may remember this scene. The last night that Jesus was with his men, he had the Passover dinner with them. So it's a, it's a long dinner. It's gonna take uh, probably a couple hours. And uh, they're gonna have, it's a heavy meal. You're, you're eating lamb together as the main course. You've got several cups of wine that you've drunk. So it's a heavy meal. And on top of that, that it was a very depressing evening for them because Jesus begins to share that he's gonna be leaving. They don't know where he's going. They're confused about that. And so we're told that they were very depressed or very sad. And so after dinner, it's now late at night, Jesus is gonna take them on a walk out in the cool, brisk air. Remember, Jerusalem's at 2,500 feet. It's uh, spring. It's gonna be very chilly out. And they're gonna go out in a cool, brisk air and they're gonna walk through the city streets, out the gates of the city, and across the Kidron Valley, which is very, very small. Probably takes 15 minutes to get from the city gates to this olive garden where they are going to 
where they're going to go. They've gone there many times before. So it's now late at night, and they're all getting very sleepy. They've had a big meal. They've had the wine. They're depressed. Everything within them wants to go to sleep. But you remember, Jesus tells them to watch and pray. In fact, there in your note sheet, in Mark 14, he says, watch and pray so that you will not what? You'll not fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, what's he talking about? What's he mean, watch and pray? Well, Jesus knows. They don't know this yet. But Jesus knows that it's on this very night he's going to be arrested. So when he says watch, he's telling him to be like a guard. Watch for a party that's coming. Watch for danger. And he says you need to pray because you're going to be facing a situation of great temptation. Remember in Ephesians 6, Paul says that we need to be strengthened in the Lord and his mighty power. We need to put on the full armor of God. So remember this, when the evil day comes, you'll be able to take your stand. Remember we talked about this series. Not every day is equal in the spiritual realm. There are some days when the enemy rushes, when the enemy attacks. And Paul says you need to plug into the power of the resurrected king so when the evil day comes, have your full armor on, you'll be able to take your stand. And that's what Jesus was telling him. He says, hey, we're in danger here. You need to watch and you need to be praying so when the time of temptation comes, you're ready. But of course, they're tired and they're depressed. My hunch, they're trying to stay awake, but you remember three times they fall asleep. Twice he wakes them up and says, could not you, couldn't you just wait an hour? But they don't realize the danger they're in. And it's hard staying awake. I don't know if you've ever been <laughs> super tired in your life trying to stay awake when everything within you falls, wants to fall asleep. My hunch is that we probably, most of us probably been there. Maybe we pulled an all-nighter in college or there's some kind of uh, trip or some kind of crisis or something. And everything within you wants to go to sleep. And it's really hard to stay awake. This takes me back to the story that we started the day with. You know, we started the day with a story about Lynn and I ready to come back from Chicago, 30-hour trip back. And she says, hey, how can we, we stay? Can we just stop a couple times? And I negotiated out, you know, that how about if I just drive as long as I can? I won't ask you to drive. She agrees, right? She's young. She's naive. She doesn't realize really who she's married to yet. And so we take off. And remember, I only had three hours sleep. I think if I had had a, a regular night's sleep, I would have made it all the way to California. But as it was, we're, I was starting on a little sleep, and we just took off. You know, as we made that long drive, and you're going down through Missouri, and then the top of Texas and the New Mexico, there was times when I was getting really tired as, it, as we went from four in the morning all the way around the clock, and now it's past midnight. And there were times I was getting so tired. But then we get to a big city. You know, you'd get like to Albuquerque or Tucumcari, New Mexico, and the lights of the city, and it was exciting just to, to see something after being, seeing nothing for so long, and I kind of get a second wind. And I think, I don't need to stop, I'll keep going. But then I'd, I'd go further, and after you're out there, I mean, there's nothing, especially back then, it's a long time ago, so there's nothing. There was no good places to stop, no hotels. It didn't even feel safe. And so... I began to get so sleepy, and yet I knew it was so dangerous. Like, 
I made the agreement with Lynn. You know, I wasn't gonna ask her to drive. I had to keep my end of the bargain. But I was so tired. And I remember at one point, I got desperate. I, I had to do something. She was sacked out in the front seat. So I reached behind me, and I got the down sleeping bag out while I'm driving, took it apart, and I put it over so she was completely covered under this down sleeping bag. And then I, I turned up the eight track, like full volume. And then I rolled down the window, and it was winter, it was, it was February, and it was freezing out. And I rolled down the window, and I started putting out my arm out into the cold air as long as I could take it. And when the pain got so great, I would bring it back in, just doing anything to stay awake. Finally, I wasn't sure that was working, so I began slapping myself to help me keep myself awake. It was kind of crazy. And so I remember at one point, she finally wakes up, and of course, she's like, She's completely confused. You know, she's underneath this, this huge mound of a down sleeping bag. So she, dig, she digs herself out. The radio's blaring. She sees her husband with his hand out the window and then the, no, the window's down and him slapping himself. And she's like, what is going on? But it was sort of desperate, right? Like I realized that, that this is dangerous. And I think we've all been there. We've all been in this place where we just get tired and we just want to go to sleep. And that's where the disciples were that night. In spite of the warnings, in spite of the rebukes, in spite of Jesus waking them up, he said, watch and pray that you will not enter. And they, they didn't. And so what happened is what, that when the, the soldiers and the torches came with the swords and the, and the priests to arrest Jesus, Jesus had to wake them up. And of course, they weren't ready for this. They weren't ready physically, they weren't emotionally ready, they weren't spiritually ready. And so when the greatest test of their life up to that point came, when the, when the evil day came, they, they were not ready. And as you know, they, they ran for their lives. They forsook Jesus. They left him by himself. And so Paul comes to us in this, the end of this letter and he says, like a Roman soldier, you need to stay alert. You cannot fall asleep on the job. You have to do whatever it takes to stay alert. The danger is real. And so the question I have for you is, what do you need to do? As we wrap up this series, move into the future, what do you need to do to stay alert? Now, by hunches, there are certain things that we all need to do. Right? Like we talk here at Rocky Peak a lot about this three-legged stool model, about large group gatherings, small group gatherings, one-on-one -on -one time with God. This is like critical for our spiritual life. I think to stay alert, right? We need to gather together in large group for worship and the word, the unpacking of the word, the sword of the spirit. Right now, that's more challenging, we're not able to get together here together in our normal big building. It's more challenging. So that means that we need to gather online for this teaching of the word and for the worship. Or we need to come to our campus. And both have their challenges. And yet it's a critical piece of staying alert. We talk about small groups and the life groups or some other small group you're in. We, we all need to be part of a smaller community where we're growing together, we're praying for each other, we're watching out each other's backs, we're learning together, we're encouraging, we're challenging one another, we're growing together. And then we all need this one-on-one -on -one time with God 
And frankly, this is my biggest concern because I think that sometimes when life gets so busy that we don't make that a priority. And yet I know that if we're not spending time with the Lord one-on-one, in his word, in his prayer, listening for his voice, it's so easy to get distracted and to forget what's most important and to forget that we're in a war and there's an enemy who's strategizing to take us out. And so these are basic things that we all need to do if we wanna stay alert. But on top of that, there's very likely individual things, unique things that you need to do to stay alert. Like, let me give you a couple examples from my life. Like, in my life, a lot of you know that I hike. And about twice a week, I go on a, on a hike. It's not that long, about an hour and a half, but it's pretty strenuous. And there's something about being out there in nature and really getting a strong workout that just kind of frees up my mind and puts me in a place of listening to God. And a lot of you know I love to listen to audiobooks or I love to listen to podcasts, but there are so many times when I'm out hiking, I just feel like the Holy Spirit, as I go to listen to my, the next audiobook, or so, I just feel like the Holy Spirit just puts a, a stop on that, that he just wants me to be with him and to be open. And I can't even begin to tell you how many times when I'm out hiking, I felt the Lord gives me an insight, gives me direction. He speaks to me about my own life or about a message I'm bringing that weekend or about a future series or about direction for the church that would not have happened if I was not in a place where I was ready to listen. In my own life, uh, learning is extremely important. It's one of the ways God's wired me. If I'm not learning, I'm dying. So I'm always reading many books and uh, listening to audiobooks and tapes, or, or not tapes, but podcasts, things like that. This is one of the ways that keeps me spiritually alert. Your ways may be different than that. For you, for example, for some of you, there may be certain key relationships in your life. When you're with this friend or you're with these group of friends that that God really uses them to stir you up and remind you of what's most important in life, to live this life for the next life. Uh, for some of you, like service may be something that when you're serving the Lord, using your spiritual gift, you, you come alive spiritually. And so you need to be using that gift. For all of us, I think of, of giving. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that as we give to his kingdom, it or reorients our heart to the realities of the kingdom and protects us from the enemy. And so there's certain things that we all share. There's certain things that will be unique. But the question is for your life, what do you need to do to stay alert? You know, when I was young, I remember going to a conference and John Maxwell, who wasn't very famous at that time, was speaking. He's now a very famous leadership writer, uh, kind of speaker, but, uh, but I heard him say something I never forgot. And he said, you know, conferences are great for decisions, but a conference can't change your life. It's the daily activities that you make your priority when you go home that'll change your life. In other words, uh, going to a conference, you can get inspired, you can get some new direction, you can make a decision but they, it can't change your life. It's the 
action you put to that decision, the reorienting of your priorities, the activities, the habits, the practices you build into your life that leads to the life change that you made the decision about. And so my question for you as we come to the end of this series, Paul has told us what we need to do to plug into the power of our resurrected king. He's told us what we need to do to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. He has told us you need to embrace the truth. You need to choose what's right. You need to live out the gospel of peace. You need to live this life for the next life. You need to trust God and what he's told you. You need to pick up the sword of the spirit and you need to make prayer a priority in your life. Now the question is, for you, for me, what do you need to do to stay alert? And will you make the changes in your schedule and your priorities to do the things that you need to do to stay alert so that when the day of evil comes, you will be strong in the Lord. You have on the full armor of God and when the enemy rushes, you will stand your ground. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this series and the beauty and the wisdom of your word that challenges us of what we need to do to win. And we pray that today as we come to the end of this series, God, that you would give us the wisdom and the grace that we would not just make a decision, but we would implement the decision. We would order our lives around those practices, those times together in large groups, those times together in small groups, that one-on-one -on -one time with you, that using of our gifts, the, the giving to your kingdom, the hiking or the learning or whatever it is in our life that is unique to us, that, that refreshes our soul, that reminds us of what life is about and strengthens us for the battle. I pray, God, that this series wouldn't just go into history with some great insights, but they would, it would lead to decisions that we put into practice of our daily life, reorienting our lives in such a way that we can be ready when the battle rages. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.